Our text tonight is found in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, uh, and we are going to be in chapter 2 and verse 20. But let me begin with a story from Craig Groeschel. And Craig's an athletic guy. Perhaps you know him as a teacher of Life Church up in Oklahoma. And um, Craig tells a story about working with a corporate coach. And the coach challenged him one day at the pool because they were swimming. Uh, and Craig works out quite a bit. He said, I, I bet you can't stay underwater for one minute. No problem. I'm, I'm, I'm a jock. I run a great cardiovascular stuff. He said, I can do it. So he hops in the water, gets under, and the first 15 seconds, like, no problem. And the guy's yelling at him from above. And you can, you can hear underwater. It's a little bit garbled. He says, you're never going to make it. There's no way you're going to make a minute. He's going, I got this covered. And about 30 seconds, he goes, hmm, I'm feeling my lungs kind of constrict. And he says, by 45 seconds, he was rededicating his life just, just in case, you know, at, at that point. And he made it to a full minute. He came bursting out of the water in victory. I, one minute. And the guy goes, don't be proud of yourself. I can double that for you right now. You can stay underwater twice as much. He goes, you don't understand. I almost perished in, in the water with one minute. I could never make two minutes. He goes, oh yeah, you can. Just do a few things that I tell you. And he told him to relax. He told him at the 30-second point uh, to let out a little bit of hair, air rather. And he would fool, he would fool uh, his, his brain. That the brain would think because he let, let out, he exhaled, that more air was coming in because the brain's accustomed to that. And then at about 45 seconds to, to open your eyes and focus on something floating in the pool. And that would distract your brain. And so he did those things. And he said also, don't flail about, just float and relax. And so he did it and, and a minute went by and a minute 30 and, 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 and that two minutes went by under what he doubled his time. And the guy said, two minutes, it's up. And he came out of the water and said, I can't believe it. I doubled my time underwater. He goes, oh, no, you didn't. He goes, I was lying to you. You went there two minutes and 45 seconds. He almost tripled his time underwater simply by expanding his capacity. And here's the point. You can expand your spiritual capacity. because your, your, your mind will lie to you. Your, your body's capable of a lot more than you think. Your mind, oh, you can't do that. But we're here tonight to have our spiritual capacity stretched. That you might be a vessel fit for honor. That you might be able to contain more of that, the treasure God wants to pour into your earthen vessel. That, that's our objective tonight. We think too small. We think shriveled up. We think man-sized prayers. We want to think God-sized prayers. We want to dream God-sized dreams. Your capacity is far superior than what you think you're capable of. In fact, uh, Ephesians, don't turn there, but Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, listen, above what we can ask or think. There's your mind thinking, oh, you can't even think what God wants to accomplish in your life. He wants to stretch and increase your capacity. And that may not be comfortable, uh, but it's possible. So our, our text tonight is in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2. Let me read through it for you. You can pl please turn there. Um, and if you, whatever device you may have, we want to walk through this together. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Those who cleanse themselves or purge themselves from the latter will be instruments for the special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, 
and prepared for any good work. Man, that is rich. That is strong stuff. That is high octane, uh, right, right, from the, right from the very threshold of heaven. And I want to read through it in the message for you so we really get a little different perspective on this word. In a well-furnished kitchen, there are not only crystal goblets and silver platters, but waste cans and compost buckets. Some containers to use, are used to serve fine meals, other to take the garbage out. Become the kind, listen, become the kind of container God can use to present any and every kind of gift to his guest for their blessing. That's why we're here tonight. They say that uh, interesting speeches and lectures and messages and studies have a, a clear, sharp, mega, one-point principle. This is it. That you, that you can become that kind of container. That's what we want to accomplish in our time together tonight. And so we're going to move in that direction. Because the, the beauty, the glory here is God wants to use you all without, without exception. You see, the church wants to, has over the, the centuries reserved it to the priesthood. That's Old Testament. They, they want only a few select people to have the special sauce of God. No, it's for everybody. It's for ordinary. The, the, the Bible says about Jesus, the common people heard him gladly. God puts the cookies on the bottom shelf because he wants his kids to be able to reach him. And that's where we're here tonight. This is without exception. If you're watching by way of the web, if you're listening by way of radio right now, you, are, you can be a useful tool to God. This church is really, the church really, is a huge heavenly toolkit. And God wants to reach in, and we're going to see principles and practices and points about how we can become, as we see here, useful tools. See, sometimes we think God really wants to use special people. And think, oh boy, if... If Beyonce could only get saved, all oh, the kids she could reach, you know? I was around in the 70s in Southern California when Bob Dylan made a profession of Christian faith, came out of the, the Judaism, and he started going to a Calvary Chapel affiliate in the valley called the Vineyard. And you would think the Messiah had come to that church. I mean, people just flocked to that church because Bob Dylan was there. You know, and, and, and he had, he had a really a, a, a lot of pressure put on him and he began doing a, a tour and he got booed for playing uh, Slow Train Coming and all his Christian songs, some great music. But you see, the problem was uh, just as quickly, as, as powerfully as he came to Christ, he slipped away. And that's often true of people, that, of celebrities. We had in our church in Albuquerque for years, a country western singer, you'd know his name immediately. He had many, many golden hits. He's in the Country Hall of Fame and all that. And uh, he uh, made a profession of, of, of Christ. But his, his entourage always wanted special treatment. And then they would call me on their way to church and say, can you let us in the special door? And we want to sit in a place and, and go out. And, and when people, that's the reason God doesn't use people at that level very often. In fact, it says that um, in 1 Corinthians one twenty six, you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. You see, God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. He doesn't need human celebrity. He doesn't even need human talent. He just needs human availability. You see, the problem is if, if, if important people get saved and then people come to Christ because of them, they can also drive people away and there can be collateral damage. Now, this isn't always the case. It doesn't say none. It doesn't say not any. It says not many because there are exceptions. I'd say Tim Tebow 
is an exception of that. Here's a man who has humility, who clearly has Christ, who has learned to go to the mission field. And he said, he's quoted by saying, for me, it's a great opportunity to be on a public platform to get on your knees and humble myself and thank the Lord for all I have in my life. Now there's a, a mighty vessel being used, but it's rare. It's relatively rare. The fact is God doesn't use uh, the mighty, the noble, and he's the foolish things of this earth. And so it's important to look at the kind of person Jesus chooses to use. And so we see the calling of the 12 in, in the Gospels. We're seeing that in the book of Mark. Very, very fascinating. But it's just as instructive to see who he didn't call as those that he did. You see, he called four fishermen. He called a zealot. Uh, he called the tax collector. Uh, nobody really had much money. Peter may have been upper middle class. Peter, Peter and James and John because they were fishermen. But none of them were the high, high and noble of the day. You see, so those he, he didn't call to be his apostles, he rejected the entire ruling class of Israel. He rejected the entire priesthood. He rejected all the Pharisees, all the scribes, all the Sadducees, all the theologians. Not one. Not even close. You see, that's, that's he's him making a strong and powerful statement of who he can and wants to use. And it wasn't just these guys happened to be around, so the, he, he put them in, into work. Do you realize that in New Jerusalem, the Bible says there are 12 gates, and above each gate are the names of the 12 tribes ar around the whole thing. Do you know what name is on the bottom? All 12 apostles. That, that's, how, that's how God memorializes these men who emptied themselves and gave themselves. Now, the 12th one could be Matthias, it could be Paul, that's who I'm thinking, but they, they, they did replace Judas with Matthias. Nonetheless, I'm pointing out to you how insignificant it is that God wants to use insignificant people. That's his, that's his way of doing things. Just like in, in the days of the New Testament, Rome was the thing. The, the Pax Romana and the Caesars and the Golden Palace and all the things of that. Do you know how many times the, the, the city of Rome is named in the Bible? Eight times. Eight times. And never about Rome. It's always about the Christians who are in Rome. The Christian, and, and Caesar's not even hardly mentioned. Only the Christians in his household were getting saved. Now, do you know how many times Jerusalem is mentioned in the Bible? 822 times. See, that's God's economy. He ignores Rome and picks Jerusalem. Now, the world won't even acknowledge Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Did you know that? They, they, they want, the Israelis want Israel, want Jerusalem rather, to be their capital. But the United Nations and the United States refuses to move embassies to Jerusalem. Oh, how, how insulting is that? And you can go to Tel Aviv right now and see the American embassy and they have, they have asked us to acknowledge Jerusalem as the eternal capital of Israel and we refuse to do so. I'll tell you what, it's God's capital and uh, he'll acknowledge it in, 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 in due course. But uh, here's a mega principle uh, that God wants to, was interested in Romans, not in Rome. God wants to save Americans, not America. He's about the people, not about the place. So that's an important principle. Then, God wants us to be clean and empty vessels. Clean and empty vessels. He wants us to be available, to be, to be poured into. 
Uh, Romans 6.13, do not let any part of your body become an instrument or a tool of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely to God. You were dead, but now you have new life. Use your, use your whole body as an instrument or a tool so that you can do what is right to the glory of God. Now here's the deal. God wants to use us. God wants, to, God's looking for vessels. Thus the help one inside I referred to. You see? But you may say, well, uh, I mean, here's the principle about vessels. How important, how significant vessels are. You might say to me, I, wanna, I want some hot coffee. Do you really? I mean, pour some hot coffee on you? No, what you want is a cup of hot coffee. Because there is a very important distinction to be made there. Same thing about God. He has is, he is chosen to do his work through mankind. He has chosen for the most part. There are angels, there are theophanies, there are, there are uh, intrusions, i.e. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. But for the most part, he has chosen to, to work through us, through faithful people. So the king is looking for vessels. And um, the Elisha principle is here. When he met, met with the widow, and he, she was about, about to perish. And he said, what do you have? She said, one small vessel of oil. And he said, go and get every vessel you can get from your neighbors. And he said, listen, do not get a few. Do, he said, get as many as you can. And he began multiplying the oil. And you know what the Bible says? He said, well, more vessels. She goes, I don't have any more. And the oil stopped. See, God kept giving until they, they stopped having a place to put his glory. And that's the principle with you. He'll pour into you as long as you make room, as, as long as you're pouring out, as long as you're replicating and duplicating what he wants to do. You see, you see, you see kings generally don't represent themselves in foreign lands. Now get this. Kings generally don't go negotiate. Kings generally don't go and, and conduct the battle. They set the strategy. They set the terms. Uh, they're in charge from, from the throne. Same is true of God. They, what, what they do, kings, is send ambassadors. The word ring a bell from the New Testament. You are an ambassador of Christ. That's a, a high, doesn't mean you can park wherever you want to. It, it means that you, rep, you represent, you represent the, the king. Okay? And he has, listen, he has decided to enforce his victory through you. In Mark, it says that Jesus told a story that when, when you want to come and, and steal from someone's house, you have to bind the strong man. Now, Satan was the strong man, the prince of the power of the air here on earth. And Jesus said, it is finished. I have done, I have, I have bound Satan, basically. Now, he still has on a chain, but it's a short chain. You see, and here's the thing. This is so good. Satan doesn't have a key to his own house. He doesn't. Jesus now has the key. He, he gave them to Peter. And here, here's, here's the keys to the kingdom, he said. He took them from Satan and, and gave them to us, to his church. We have the authority now to represent him. Now, Satan is here for certain divine purposes that sometimes escape me. But the fact is, he is bound. And he, and he is doomed. And, and you know what? He knows it. The sin causes insanity. The Bible says when he's cast down to earth, he knows his time is short, and yet he causes as much problem as he can. You see, it causes spiritual insanity. As our opening illustration demonstrated, your body is capable of much more than you think. You're capable of fasting more than you think. You're capable of praying more than you think. 
You're capable of giving more than you think. You're capable of going more than you think, of, of doing more for God than you think. You're, you're, you're limited by things we're going to point out here very shortly. You see, a mega point is that you've heard the, the song by Wayne Watson back in the 70s, perhaps, the, uh, the Master's Hand, where the, the man picked up an old beat-up violin, and it wasn't about the violin, about the Master's Hand. It's not about you. It's that you being available. It's not about the bike. It's not about the shoes. It's, you know, a great golfer can, can drive with a, with a wedge, you see. And, and God's, a, God's a master. And that's the whole point here, to be fit in the master's hand. And uh, before you can be used, you have to be purged. That's, what, that's another best practice here. You need to purge your vessel. 1 Corinthians 6.20, For you are bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Which are God's. You've already been bought. You are not your own anymore. God, here, here's what God is saying to us. Listen very carefully. He is saying, lend me your body and I will lend you my power. If you're available, he will pour his divine, if you'll just lend him your body, he'll give you his power, he'll give you his dreams, he'll give you his vision, he'll, he'll, he'll give you his will. You see? So if, will you, the question before, the, before us is, will you lend him your body? Which he owns anyhow. Uh, you see, the problem is um, not a shortage of glory from heaven. Not a shortage of the Holy Spirit. Not a shortage of, of God having a dream for this world. A, a vision for mankind that he wants to fulfill through you. Don't look at me. Don't look at these. We're, we're just here to turn the lights on. And, and you, it's, it's about the church being available to God. And uh, it's not a question of the shortage. Uh, it's, a, it's a question of, of storage. That's what it is. It's our bandwidth. It's clogged. Our bandwidth is full of trivial things. Our bandwidth is, is full. And Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You see? And so, I, I, I get this, what's the worst message you can get on your phone? Oh, no more room for photos. No more room for email. You need more on the cloud. I, I, if I told you how many emails I have in my Gmail, you'd lose your mind. You know? But then finally, it'll get built up to 99%. And say, no more room in your Gmail. I'll go take and purge and cleanse. I'll get down to 80%. They oh, have plenty of room. That's how we deal with God. You see? We get down to 80%. We think, oh, you got 20%, Lord. That's all you need. I, there's plenty of room for you to work here. No. He wants you empty. He wants you open. He wants you available. Oh, but I, I've, I've, I'm so committed. Well, uncommit. Okay? Decide. Prioritize. There's not enough discretionary time, money, and energy in your life to do everything you want to do and the media tells you to do and what God wants you to do. There's just not enough. You, you have to prioritize. And the Bible says, seek what? Ye first the kingdom of God. Okay? That, that's an important priority. Um, the problem is not a shortage of what God wants to do. It's we, have, we have crowded vessels. We have unclean vessels. Uh, Isaiah 59.1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he can't save. His ear is not heavy that he can't hear. Your sin has separated you from God. You need to get, get the, the vessel clean. Who wants to drink out of a, a filthy vessel? Who wants to pour something clean and, and, and pure and powerful into something that's corroded and corrupt? Purge your vessel. Purge yourself. If any man, 2 Timothy, they were, if any man purge himself in the, key, in the King James, if any man purge, that word is so strong, to purge. Okay? Purge yourself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. Honor. John MacArthur said, no man is taken off Christ's team or benched 
because of what they are. They are benched because of what they refuse to become. God wants to change you. God wants to transform you. God wants to make you into a power tool. That's our, that's our, our title tonight. You become a power tool in the master's toolbox. Tell me who you listen to. Tell me the five most dominant voices you have in your life, and I'll tell you what you're becoming. You tell me who are the five voices you're listening to for the most, and I, I will tell you what you are becoming. That's what's programming into your life. What you're listening to today is what you'll be tomorrow. Watching Game of Thrones, I bet you struggle with lust. If you're, if you're all about violent video games, I bet anger's an issue for you. Uh, sports talk all day long, you live and die with the canes and the fins and, and, the, and the heat. I've been there. I, listen, I, I, I used to li literally, literally just, do you, do you know that after a home team loses in a city, domestic abuse goes up? It's true. No, that, that is not a laughing matter. It's very true because, because the people who take it so very seriously. I remember being a Bronco fan and being so uptight about the Broncos living in Colorado that you, it would ruin the next day. In fact, they have, they, have on, they have radio counselors on the air on Monday in Denver if the Broncos lose. Just dealing with people, walking them through you know, the recovery and denial and grief and anger and all the different stages of, of it. It's true. You see, I was there, and I, I remember they lost the game, and Sammy Winder fumbled the ball against Cleveland, I remember, and I was, I was so mad, I went outside, and I said, well, he doesn't even know me. I, I have nothing I can control of this guy, and I'm upset because these overpaid uh, steroid cases are, are, are lost a football game? I'm like, what? And I'm, still, I'm still a big fan, but I mean, I just, I, you, you got to get a grip. And if you're a big conservative talk, if that's all going into your life, I bet you're feeling manic right now. What are we going to do? What are we going to do about the, the election? You see? The voices in your life shape your mind, shape your thought processes. Here's a four fast calls to action. First of all, empty or purge yourself. And the, you know, a lot of times we talk about God doing it all, and that's true. God is omnipotent and, omnipotent and omnipresent and all the different theological terms. But the point was to cooperate. That was our word for the week a few, few Wednesdays ago here. You see, there are things we can do to, to speed, to expedite uh, our growth and, and to make us more effective and impactful. We, Bible, these are things the Bible says for us to do. Listen to me. Purge yourself. Empty your vessel. Humble yourself. Get rid of the pride and the ego. Give yourself wholly to these things, the Bible says. So commit yourself. Consecrate yourself to these things. This is cooperating with God. Uh, stretch yourself. We're studying in Mark about the old wineskin principle, how the church tends to go back and want to revert back to the three things that drove the Old Testament, the three pillars, uh, the law, the priesthood, and the temple. And the church has consistently over the years tried to go back to that. Establish cathedrals, put on cleric collars, and, and have catechism. That's the law, the priesthood, the temple. And God said, I, I came to, uh, not to abolish those things, but to fulfill them and to make everybody priests, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Amen. See, not just one man, but many. It's a brilliant scheme. And Jesus said, it is finished. So stretch yourself. Don't be a victim of the old wineskin syndrome. Old wineskins uh, become unusable when they dry up and there's, there's nothing fresh being poured into them. It doesn't matter how old you are chronologically. It's how available you are spiritually. And that's, if, if you're constantly being stretched out, you're not going to become an old wineskin. And then you're going to be poured out and then stretched out again. That's, that's the very same principle. Uh, a routine is a, can be a good thing, having best practices. But don't let it become a rut. 
You see, our, our body typically wants to go into a, a comfort zone, a comfort zone. And so you can do more than you think. You're capable of being stretched, having your borders widened, having your wineskin. But if you're going to be caught up with the dry, dull, dead things of this world, it's not going to happen. Now, one author said, talent can take you to the top, but only character can keep you there. See, your character is something you need to check your vessel for leaks. Integrity gaps, we'll call them. Where, where are you leaking? Hold yourself up to the light, and he'll shine, he'll shine himself on it and show you where you might be leaking. Some just need a checkup tonight. Some need a tune-up. Some need a full overhaul. And some need to total out your vehicle and start over. So, yeah, there you go. You are only, only as strong as you are honest, folks. And your personal life impacts your public life. Don't, the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure your sin will find you out. Purge, purge, purge. Quick questions. Are you doing something publicly that you wouldn't, or privately rather, that you wouldn't want to become known publicly? Are you doing things in private you'd be ashamed to have in the light? Uh, what step do you need to take right now to get from where you are to where God wants you to be? It may be a short step. It may be some, a relationship that has to go, a practice, a habit. Won't it be worth it to be fully available? And the hard part, of course, is that uh, that step takes, takes faith. And uh, Jesus said, remember at the last step, remember me when you do this. When you take communion, remember me. Remember who you were. Remember who I've made you. And remember who I am. I am, he said. Now, your destiny is not dependent on what others think of you. It is based on what Jesus says about you. Now, there's a wise prayer of faith I'll give you right here. And at the end of the, end of the um, time together today, it's a buy one, get one free. I'll give you a bonus. I'm going to give you, I think, the wisest prayer I've ever prayed as a Christian. So hang on for that. Here's a wise prayer of faith. Um, God, I'm stepping into who you say I am. I'm not what I have been. I'm not what others say I am. I'm not even who I think I am. I am who you say I am. That's a wise prayer of faith. Not self-confidence, but God-confidence. And so we need to, another best practice is to improve our skill set, uh, strengthen our character, become more like Jesus. If um, I were speaking to a younger version of myself tonight, if I was speaking to somebody 38 years ago, just got dramatically saved as I did, I'd say three things. I'd say, read the Bible as soon as you can from cover to cover. I would say, forget the past as quickly as you can. And I would say, get in the flow of God's work as soon as, and as much as possible. Now, I've done two out of the three fairly well. I got into God's word and I got into his work, but the past still haunts us, does it not? And it doesn't have to be so. That's why Paul said, this one thing I do, Forgetting that which is beyond, behind, I press on to the mark of the high calling in Jesus Christ. This one thing I do, because the past can be a weight. Now, remember, we're talking about instruments, tools. That's where we're to become. And um, i got to confess to you, I have a pathetic toolbox at home. It, it's, it's laughable, a little plastic thing with nothing matches. My wife's got this cool tool set. I, I'm not allowed to use it. And I, never, I never put things back, you know, but... Um, but she says, she can go fix anything in the house. And I'm, I'm ridiculous, you know? I don't want to be that way with God. I, want, I, want to, I don't want to be a dull instrument. If you go, I, I don't want to be the wrong tool. Now, the very few occasions when I've done a tool right, I remember using a ratchet set. 
And when you click this ratchet onto a bolt, and if, if it's just tight and snug, and you, and you go, it's amazingly how, 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 how good that feels. That's what God's looking for. He's got things only, only you can fit into, places you can only be. He wants, you to, he wants to use the right tool, and you are that person. I remember the first time I ever changed a tire. I had a flat tire at my senior prom on the way, on the way to the dinner. Oh, man, it was, there was screaming, there was grease, there were all dented fenders and everything. I, was, I, I had no idea. I never changed a tire. I mean, we're, I always had tires. They're all fine. But I uh, finally got the tire on out and all that stuff, and I, my tux, it was ridiculous. But um, the same principle, having the right size tire iron. And then a few years later, I was at, at a, a, a shop getting my wheels rotated, which I've done twice in my entire life. Um, but, uh, and they had this, this, this machine, this, 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 this like a drill, you know, zip, 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 zip. Where were you, bozo, at my senior prom with that thing? I, that's that's why I, when I really needed you. It was unbelievable how quick that tool worked. You know why? It was air-driven. It was pneumatically driven. I'll get this. God doesn't want you using just like dad tool sets, uh, play tool and play school, little, little mallets and little hammers. He wants you to be a power tool. A, a, and that's what the pneuma is the Holy Spirit. God wants to drive your work and drive you in such a way you go, whoa, I, I was just struggling and working hard. And God just came and zip, did it right away. And that's what he wants. He wants you to be a powerful tool at his uh, discretion. It's the difference between a jackhammer and a pickaxe. Some of you have been using a pickaxe to try to break up the fallow ground of your life. God wants you to come in there with a jackhammer and just jack it all around. Uh, a chainsaw or a manual saw? Which one cuts down a tree quicker? No question. But here's a warning to you. No one gives a The reason perhaps some of you are struggling with your Christian testimony and your Christian service because nobody gives a chainsaw to a five-year-old. Dangerous. They have to be mature people. You, people who are dedicated to learning how to use that saw properly. That's what God wants you to do. He wants you to have a powerful testimony and a powerful life. But you have to examine yourself. Are you ready? Are you available? Are you sharp? Are you willing to be, are you willing to be stretched? And it might be painful. It might be awkward and uncomfortable. You know, I, I started lifting weights when I was playing college football. I learned this method called the Russian method. This was some time ago. And, um, but you know what? I, I stuck with that exact routine for decades. And I realized my body had settled into a comfort zone where I could, well, I, I could walk in an, an autopilot in a weight room and get a workout. And so I read this, this article one time about shocking your body and surprising your muscles. So I said, you know, I walked in there, I kind of snuck up on, on, on a machine I didn't normally use, a lap machine or something. And my body goes, wait a minute, we don't do this. We're over on the bench today. And I've been doing that for years and years and years. And your body is smart. It had settled into that routine, that comfort zone. And I, I shocked my body. And I paid for it the next day with lactic acid, I'll tell you that. But <laughs> here's the point. Here's the point. Some of you have settled into a spiritual routine. And, 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 and your, your body is just accustomed to the way I go to church. And I do this, and I read my psalms, and I have my cup of coffee. You need to shock your spirit. Say, oh, no, not today. We're not eating today, body. Your body will freak out. You can't do that to me. We'll starve to death. Yeah, in about 41 days, you'll starve to death. Get back to me then. Okay? See, so your body is capable of doing so much more. 
And the, part, the parting final shot is this, is this. The reason Craig was capable of doing two minutes and 45 seconds underwater is because he had a coach. He had a coach. And you need a spiritual mentor. You need a spiritual coach. The reason multi-million dollar athletes have been playing football for 20 years still have a coach who, who calls all the shots, it makes, it makes you better. Because they see things you don't see. When you're lifting weights, you've got somebody spotting for you, and they're like this, and they say, come on, you can do it. You can, you can lift much more weight with a coach cheering you on than you can ever do by yourself. You'll run faster, you'll go farther, you'll be a better, same thing is true spiritually. You'll pray more, you'll do more, they'll see things from the outside. Make yourself vulnerable to a coach. Submit yourself to that person, and you'll see spiritual effectiveness. So finally, are you ready? Are, are, are you available? Are you sharp? Is you, are you willing to empty yourself of the things of this world and be filled to the glory of God? The highest privilege any human being could ever have is to be used, to be in the master's hand and to be used. Be available to the glory of God. And now, as advertised, the um, smartest prayer I ever prayed, I did it almost 36 years ago, after my prayer of conversion, I realized this was going to be something because I'm, I'm pretty much a, a train wreck. And I, I, I read the scripture in Matthew that um, uh, Jesus offers to say to us in that day, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I'll make you, I'll make you ruler over much. And I said to the Lord, I said, you know what? Whatever it takes... Whatever it takes in my life between this day and that, I want that to happen to me. I want to hear those words ringing in my ear. And I don't care what it takes. I don't care how much screaming I do, claw marks in the asphalt. I want it to happen to me. And I believe it will. I, I believe he, he, he has used me to my amazement. He's expanded my borders. My wife and I started praying, prayer, praying, praying, <laughs> prayer of... You wonder why I'm being used. It's wonderful. Um, the prayer of Jabez type prayers uh, many, many years ago. And you know what? He's expanded our borders. Done things all like, wow. And I'm, I'm seeing it through my family. I, I'm seeing it in my life. It, ha- it can happen to you. I, I just want to share with you that if, if you don't know the magnificent fulfillment of being touched and used by God, it can begin tonight. And you say, well, I've, I've, had, I, I've been used, and I'm talking, you're just warming up. I don't care who, you're just warming up right now. There's so much more that needs to be done. God's dream goes so far. God's vision is so, is so magnificent. He wants, don't even say this out loud. Say it to yourself in amazement. He wants to use me. He wants to use me. Open yourself up. Make yourself available. We're going to pray here in a moment for the Holy Spirit to fill you. That's the oil. And as long as you give him the vessel, he'll keep pouring the oil in. There, there no shortage in heaven of the Holy Spirit. And, and you don't have to wait in any line. It can happen today and tonight. Let's, let's pray together. Lord, that is the most wisest prayer I have ever prayed but since I became a Christian. But the wisest prayer was to accept you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. And if anybody here tonight has not taken that first step of faith, I would be negligent not to give you the opportunity right now. So if you want to accept Christ and perhaps you're uncertain about your destiny, that can change. And you can have the opportunity to know of a certainty, of a confidence that your sins are forgiven. And if anybody 
wants to do that, just slip your hand up right now and I'm going to pray for you. Anybody here tonight? Anybody watching by way of the internet? I see the hand in back. God bless you in back. I can't see another one in back. I can't see you watching us or listening by way of Life FM, but God can. God knows your heart. And you can pray right now and accept him into your life. Have the assurance of forgiveness and a destiny in heaven. So let's all pray together. I see those hands. God bless you. Put them down. Lord Jesus, we believe you died for our sins. And we believe we are sinners. Thank you for offering to forgive us. Help us, Lord, to walk with you. We commit ourselves to serve you all the days of our life. Thank you, Jesus.